I've got a terrible confession to make to you. Um, I know this will shock some of you, but uh, I'm I'm not an Elvis fan. I mean, I, I'm I'm not an Elvis fan. Uh, yet it's surprising how many of his songs I like, and how many I'll sing along with when they come on the radio. Now, my, my theory is this only seemed to start happening when I, when I hit the age of about 35. So I think there's something in our DNA, I've come to the conclusion, that where our, when we hit a certain age, the, our molecules vibrate with the voice of Elvis. And so when we weren't bothered before, suddenly we want to sing along with Elvis songs. So maybe you will find yourself in the shower and you're suddenly singing along with how you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Or, or perhaps you'll be doing some ironing and you'll break into suspicious minds. Or, uh, Lord forfend, you're making a cup of tea and you suddenly declare that you're a hunker, hunker, burning love. I think this is a good theory. I think you could probably get research on, from funding for research from the Arts Council. Um, one of Elvis's biggest hits as you may know, is called Lonely This Christmas. We've got a, a Christmas animated bear that sings it. That's a long story. I'll tell you about that another time. But that sentiment, that idea, that, that reality is, is too true for many people. And I know it's true for, for many of you here. Uh, we might feel lonely for different reasons. Perhaps we live on our own. Perhaps we've lost a relative near to us. Perhaps we're in the middle of a family, perhaps in the middle of a big family, but we don't relate to them. Perhaps we don't live in a place that we consider to be our home. And so while the idea of loneliness is not a particularly Christmassy theme, it is one that's very much on people's hearts and minds at this time of year. People will say, well, it's all very well talking about Angels we've heard on high and love came down at Christmas and all that. But that, that's not the reality. That's not what I, I feel. I, I hear you. I get that. And yet in the Christmas story we hear about this idea of God with us. The word, is, the word they use is Emmanuel. Big churchy word for God with us. The idea that God himself came to dwell with his people. In the flesh. That's an essential part of the Christmas story. It describes how Jesus, who himself is God, enters the world for us, to reach out for us. The idea that God has taken the initiative to do something about our spiritual state, to do something about our loneliness in one sense. And when we read the Bible, particularly when we're reading the story of Jesus, we, we often get people being invited, people being invited to, to come to Jesus, to come to God, to come and see the idea of encountering this one who wants to be in a personal relationship with us and who was prepared to pay the very highest price to do so. The Christmas story is not a passive one of angels and stars and stables it's an it's an active one god is taking action to do something do something that needs to be done to reconcile his followers to himself 
to invite us. Now normally, if, if you're uh, often here at REC, you know that we will teach through big parts of the Bible. We'll, we'll take a, a book and we'll work through it successively to make sure we hear everything God has to say from that, that part of the Bible. We, we've just finished going through Ecclesiastes. Uh, however, sometimes we'll take a particular theme, a particular idea, and see how it is expressed across the Bible. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, today, thinking about loneliness and what God wants us to know about it. So today we're going to look at uh, four points. And you can see them there on your handout if you've got that, if you're taking notes. We're going to be thinking about why loneliness feels wrong. That God has never been lonely. How God invites us into a relationship with himself. And finally that God invites us into a relationship with his people. So how loneliness feels wrong. That God has never been lonely. That God invites us into a relationship with himself. And that God invites us into a relationship with his people. Does that sound okay? Um, And hopefully we're going to get a sense of the encouragement for us in our loneliness of how God has been working so first of all uh, why loneliness feels wrong Uh, and what I'm suggesting here simply is that we were not created to feel loneliness and we were created we're created by God we read that in uh, Genesis chapter 1 how humans are made in God's image And as we're going to see in a moment, um, God himself is never lonely, so we don't think that was part of our our creation. And very quickly, you can see the way God is working because he doesn't leave Adam on his own. He creates someone to be with Adam. He creates Eve. And so within uh, within our... the image that we carry, we all carry the image of God to a greater... in a degree we don't always understand. Um, There is the idea that we shouldn't be lonely. And that's why it sometimes feels wrong to us. Jesus himself lived a life which was a model of what God looks like. He followed the, his father's will perfectly. He, he loved his father. He loved other people. Uh, he obeyed God's laws. He, he prayed uh, fervently to his father who he had a, a personal relationship with. Uh, he had a great knowledge of God. When he used his authority, he did it with great uh, wisdom and control and much of the new testament records this it's a standard of how we should be relating to god the father and i don't look anything like that in terms of what i do i mess up regularly a number of times every day and we read in genesis how that first happened with adam and eve uh, great, 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 grandfather and grandmother. They rebelled against God. They thought they had a better idea. They thought, yeah, I'm not sure God has our best interest for us. I'm not sure his plan is the best plan. And the Bible calls that sin when we try to be our own God, when we try to go our own way. And in the Garden of Eden is the first place that sin appears in human history. And we read Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Adam and Eve, they realise they've sinned against God. What do they do? They hide. They hide. They they run away from God. They, They separate themselves. 
And that's one of the things that sin does, is it separates us from God in a way that was never the design, that was never the intention. It separates us from each other as well. It, it, it puts gaps into our lives. It builds walls. It puts up barriers. And we know that, that isolation and hiding are not good for us. Psychiatrists and sociologists and all those guys tell us it's wrong. And, and we know instinctively, I think, that, that this is not good. It's not how it was meant to be. However, however, it is important to be paying attention to it because it's pointing us towards something. It's pointing towards the fact that we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts and we're always going to be restless until that is filled. We're always going to be restless until we have that relationship with God. One way or another, in different ways, we will be restless. And so that takes us on to our second point, the idea that God has never been lonely. Uh, some people suggest the reason why God created us was because he wanted slaves to obey him, perhaps, or he wanted uh, chess pieces to play games with, you know, the, the, to, to, to serve him or to, to uh, just uh, in his sort of idle moments, uh, I'll just have a quick game, you know, uh, often, often in classical literature, this is how the gods were, were written about. Uh, but that is not the case. That ignores the nature of God. We know God is not like that because we, we know something of what God is like from the Bible. Uh, we know that he is three persons in one being. The, the word we use in Christianity for that is the Trinity. It's a unique concept. The idea that God is three persons, that's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, but, it, the, but they make up one being. We call that the Trinity. Uh, I, one of my favourite movies is uh, Nuns on the Run. Uh, this probably says a lot about my movie watching. And in there there's a great scene where Robbie Coltrane is to ex trying to explain to Eric Idle what the Trinity is. And he's saying it's like a leaf of clover. It's like, it's all these things it's like. It's like this, it's like that. Um, the Trinity is unique. It's not particularly like anything else. We can understand it. But when we say it's like something, that, that picture's never, never, never quite what it should be. You know? So here's the thing. As God is three persons in one being, existing from before creation for all eternity... He is in perfectly loving relationships within the Trinity. It's a perfect union. Each part is in a perfect relationship with the other two parts. No one's in it based on what they can get out of the other. No one's uh, having to be subservient to anybody or anything like that. They are in a perfect relationship. It's an eternal relationship of perfect love. And the Father saying to the Holy Spirit, wow, look at Jesus, isn't he fantastic? I think he's brilliant. And the, the Son is saying to the Father, wow, the Holy Spirit is just amazing. I just love the way he's always working in the background and, and making sure things happen. And the Holy Spirit saying to the Son, wow, the, the Father is just so awesome. <coughs> Genuine, unalloyed love, taking pure joy from each other. So God has never been lonely. He's never needed to create beings 
to keep him company. Just the opposite. He has all the company he needs within the Trinity. He has, well, he has whatever the opposite of loneliness is. Whatever that is. So he's a fundamental difference between humans and God. Humans will sometimes be lonely. God never will be. Uh, But as I say, we've got that idea that uh, our loneliness should be pointing us towards, towards God and towards his people which is really the, the next two places we're, we're going to go so third point God invites us into a relationship with himself just have a look there in the passage that Beth read for us from 1 Corinthians that's on page 1144 in the church bibles uh, Paul is thanking God for this, this church in Corinth and he's talking about the the faithfulness of God to his people. And you can see there in verse 9, God is faithful, what he done, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is what Ben has been talking to us about in the, in the kids' talks over the last, last four kids' talks. How... Jesus' followers are united with him. How God has called us into fellowship with his son. Think about that for a moment. That is amazing. That is quite staggering. So we're thinking about a moment ago. We have chosen to separate ourselves from God. We have chosen to hide. We have chosen to be to be tried to be our own God. And God then takes the initiative. God then takes the action to call us back into fellowship with himself, to reconcile us with himself. Because of our law-breaking, our moral corruptness, our falling short of the standards, that relationship was broken and God himself takes the action to fix it. He does that when Jesus enters the world as a man. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we're thinking about at Christmas. Jesus is uniquely both fully God and fully human. At the same time, comes into the world to reconcile us to God. Jesus was not 50% human and 50% God. He's 100% human and 100% God at the same time. And this is why God understands maths a lot better than I do. Jesus enters the world and he follows God's will for his life perfectly. And ultimately he chooses to die in our place on the cross. (coughs) Jesus totally understands we're incapable of satisfying God's anger against us because of our sin. So he steps in and he makes this exceptional swap. This exceptional swap where Jesus takes our sin and the punishment for it. And he gives us his righteousness and all the things that he's entitled to as the divine son of God. It is this Jesus who can relate to us totally as a human being. Only he can do this because only he is fully God and fully human at the same time. And then in rising from the dead, Jesus confirms this work. He confirms that he has 
done this great transfer of divine righteousness to us and taking our sin and that we can trust that. And God trusts it and we are restored, we are reconciled to him. (coughs) So if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, then you always will have someone in your life, Jesus your saviour, who gave everything for you. You always have somebody who adores you, who thinks so much of you. He is yours and you are his. He wants the very best for you. You can see it there in the passage. You have fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You are joined to him as Ben has been talking about. This is what, we, this is what you see when you see us baptise someone. You see us, and, and Ben was talking about this in one of the talks, how, how if we're joined to him, the, the baptism is a picture of we die with him as we're going down into the water and we're raised with him as we come up out of the water. And did you notice there in in verse 9 that it is God who calls you? God takes the initiative to do this. And so if, 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 if God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in this perfect relationship where they're communicating and loving each other perfectly, we're being invited to share in that relationship. We're being invited to join in this eternal uh, love that's been going on for, for eternity, for all time. God is inviting us to come into that, to join with the rest of the Trinity in, in that sense. It's an invitation to come and see who God is. Come and experience a deep, joyful relationship without agendas or suspect motivations, to explore what he's done for us and who he is. And we read about the end result of that in the Bible. We read about what that looks for. Just turn in your Bibles for a moment to the book of Revelation, right at the end of the Bible. It's the last book in the church Bibles. It's on page 1249. So this is Revelation chapter 21. One, two, four, nine. Look at me there in verse 3. So this is the Apostle John writing. He, he wrote the bit we read earlier in, in, the, in the Gospel of John. This is what he said. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So we know that if we believe the good news about Jesus and if we turn away from our sins, then the day will come 
when we will never be lonely again. We will be face to face with our Father. And he will dwell with us and we will dwell with him. And we will never be separated again. We will never experience loneliness again. We also know that if you never accept that invitation, that you will be eternally separated from God. Well, that's all well and good, but, but what about right now? What about right now here in, in Rotherham? Our fourth point. God invites us into a relationship with his people. Let's, uh, sorry, you're getting a bit of movement here in the Bible. Let's go back to the passage in John that Beth read for us. Uh, just a reminder, that's on page 1064. One zero six four, and we're starting in verse forty three. This this is at the start of Jesus's ministry. He has uh, he's starting to recruit the twelve men who are going to be his closest uh, friends over the next three years. He's already recruited Andrew and Peter, and and although he's not mentioned by name, we think John because it's John who's writing this. It's his biography of Jesus. It's his point of view. And uh, verse 43, Jesus uh, finds Philip. Uh, and just, just as a side, notice Jesus' authority there. Jesus says, follow me. He's off. Leave everything behind. He's following Jesus. Uh, but Philip then does, notice what Philip then does. Philip then does what Christians have been doing since that time. He finds someone else, in this case Nathaniel, and he tells them about Jesus. He tells them about finding Jesus and he invites Nathaniel to come and see Jesus, come and meet Jesus. Now Nathaniel's sceptical, right? Uh, because Nathaniel is expecting the saviour of Israel to be a mighty king, a big warrior, not this, we don't know, but maybe not greatest looking guy who's standing over there, who's come from Nazareth. Now, it's now Nazareth uh, at, at this time is, is seen as being a real dump to the people of Israel. It's not a great place. And so Nathaniel is like, the saviour of Israel is not coming from Nazareth. Uh, a mighty king is not going to be coming from Nazareth. You can fill in that space with wherever you think for you that place is in the world now. The, one of the problems with a, a church that's grown so much is that basically any choice I make in terms of countries or towns is probably going to offend somebody to say that place is like Nazareth. So, you know, it makes that, that just makes it really difficult for me. Okay leads but uh, but so 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 you know it's from nazareth i was born in leeds by the way just so you know that's not. um and and philip's response is 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 not yeah i know right nazareth yeah you're right you know he presses into it 
He, he presses on and he says, now come and see, come and look. Don't, don't put aside your, your preconceptions, come and look with that. Philip says, come with me. Notice, notice he doesn't say, he doesn't say, uh, go and see. You know, you know, Philip isn't standing here and saying, you go and see. He's saying, come and see, come with me. Come with me and meet Jesus. Come and meet and join this group of people who are now assembling around Jesus. This group of people who are going to become the church when Jesus rises from the dead. This group of people whom spiritually are our great, 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 great grandparents. Because all of them heard the gospel directly from Jesus. Philip invites him to come and see. They're not being invited to a building. They're not being invited to a social club. They're not being invited to a a group of people who are going to to be a a welfare support group for each other, although although they would have supported each other, I'm sure, in, in various ways. They're being gathered together out of the world into one body. And that is the church. The church of people who've been saved by Jesus and called together into one body. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian on their own. You will not find them in the Bible. We're connected into other broken, imperfect, sinning people of whom I am the worst. But we're also brothers and sisters. We're people who pray to our Father. We're we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We love the Bible. We are going to, as we read from Revelation, live for eternity. In a new heaven and a new earth. We're called to be with others. And that is part of the way Jesus has provided an antidote to our loneliness so a few applications very quickly a few applications for us if you're here today and you're a Christian be like Philip be like Philip be quick to go to others and say come and see <coughs> it wasn't a particularly wasn't a particularly complicated message it wasn't particularly nuanced come and see he's there come and see particularly at this Christmas time it's a great time to invite people, like Rob was saying. Invite others to come and experience Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, whose birth we're celebrating at this time of year, what a great opportunity to invite people. And then when they come in, when visitors come in, be welcoming, say hey, hi, say love them up. But maybe you're a Christian here today and you are experiencing loneliness in your life. Maybe that's true for you. If that is the case, press into that love of God that he has for you. Consider all that he has done for you. Think about all of his attributes, especially his love for you. Especially how he has sent Jesus to be united with you. Consider how he has saved you. That you are truly never alone. Remind yourselves of these truths.
and press into that church that Jesus has called you into. Yes, it's imperfect, as we said, but, but get used to it because we spend eternity together. You know, part of the reason that the, the Jesus has called us into a church is to get used to each other, to get used to the people around you, particularly the ones who are irritating you, because you're going to be with them for all eternity. So we need to get used to each other in that way. Um, don't wait for people to come and talk to you. Go and talk to them particularly the people who are perhaps a little bit different from you, because in actual fact, you have everything in common because you've both been saved by Jesus. You're both united with Jesus. Both of you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're, you're family, you're brothers and sisters. Let them invest in you as you invest in them. One of the many reasons that we're here together is to be an antidote to that loneliness for each other. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we're really glad that you're here. We ha I have one application for you. I have one thing for you to take away with, particularly if you're feeling a sense of loneliness at this time of year. I pray that what you will take away from here is the commitment to come and see, to come and see this Jesus, to come and experience this man who came to earth to reconcile you to God. Put aside the tinsel, put aside the Elvis songs. Look instead for this real Jesus. Come and see. Come to church. Hang out with, with your Christian friend who brought you perhaps. Perhaps with someone appear on the stage. Come and find out more about him. Find about this God who's, who's inviting you to join him this Christmas time. Watch the kids and nativities play with the magi and, and look at the shepherds. Sing the songs we sing. Look how often it talks about come. It talks about people searching. People coming to find them. There's a reason we're talking about this at Christmas time because, because that is so much of the Christmas story. <coughs> Join us on the 25th of December, this day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're going to be down at the chapel on Wellgate. Come and sing with us. This group of people who has, whatever your opinions are of us, I don't know, but we have been uniquely assembled to minister to you by God. You were meant to be reconciled to God. It is Jesus born nearly 2,000 years ago who came into the world to achieve that. Emmanuel, God with us. Come and see. When I was reading around this subject in literature and stuff, and uh, it said that there's no word in the English language which is the satisfactory opposite of loneliness. You can check that out for yourself later. You can give me suggestions. But there's no word in the English language which is the, I believe the technical word is antonym, for loneliness. There's no word that is the opposite. And, and I feel to a certain extent that that sums up in my mind something about loneliness and something about the state of loneliness. But I, wa I want to suggest to you what the opposite is. I want to suggest to you that the opposite of loneliness is being united with Jesus and being united with his people. 
Do you feel that that claim is just a, a good Christmas sentiment? That uh, and that reality is bleak. Do you think that's just out of order? You may well do. Do you believe that I'm just being too trite? Do you think I'm being too extravagant? That I'm exaggerating? Do you think I'm being too victorious in what I'm saying? And it's all just churchy Christian talk. You may well think that. I don't know, but you won't know the answer until you come and see. You won't know the truth of what I'm saying until you come and see this real Jesus. So this Christmas, come and see. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Christmas is here. Whether we're ready or not. Christmas has arrived, Lord, and there is a lot of stuff going on. There are lots of celebrations. There are lots of things happening. There are lots of busyness. There's shopping to be get, to be got. There's trees to be put up. There's got to plan what we're going to have for Christmas dinner. And so often in the busyness, so often in the the rush of things we have we feel we have no space no time to think about other things lord some of us are lonely for different reasons in different ways father christmas can be a very hard time for us Lord, help us to remember the real story of Christmas. Help us to remember the real message of Christmas. That you have sent your Son in the world, into the world to heal the relationship between us so that through faith in him and by turning away from our, our old lifestyles we might be united with you we might be united with other people who have been united with you. And though, Lord, we, we confess the, the, and, and accept the fact that that is not a total cure, perhaps, for loneliness. It is a real antidote to it, Lord. It is a real opposite view of what loneliness is. So, Lord, help us to come and see. Help us to come and see this, this baby Jesus. To understand what it's, he really came for. Lord, help us to accept him. Help us to appreciate what he came to do. And Lord, save us from our sin. We ask it all in your son's name. Amen.